everybody, it's Betsy, and here's what's in the Popping Collars feed for June 2021. There's just two words for this month's Popping Collars, staff picks. Hear what we're recommending from the world of pop culture. We have a special interview with Academy Award nominee Tom Moore this month. He talks to Greg about his animated feature, Wolf Walkers. The Going on 30 mob movie marathon continues this month. Greg and I explore the Martin Scorsese classic, Goodfellas. Finally, The Sacred Six wraps up our deep dive into The Wire. Special guest Eric Matoyer discusses the series finale, simply titled 30. Thanks for listening and keep those collars popped. I'm Greg. And I'm Betsy. And this is Going on 30, a popping collar side project where I gotta tell you, Betsy, you're pretty funny. What kind of funny? Like what do you what do you mean? I mean, you know, like you're funny. Like you're a funny person. Like I make you, know? you laugh. Like that's that's my job. I'm like a clown I mean, to you. I'm just saying that you're funny, Betsy. <laughs> we're fun. We're pretty funny, but not like a clown no. kind of funny with movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago this month. As if you didn't know already. We're looking at Goodfellas. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. I know I'd go from rags to riches. To me. Being a gangster was better than being president of the United States. Never ran on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. It meant being somebody in the neighborhood that was full of nobodies. Oh, you broke that cherry. Hey, Mom, what do you think? You look like a gangster. Will you? By the time I grew up, there was $30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport. And believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. You might know who we are, but we know who you are. You understand? Yeah. What kind of people are these? Life is but a dream. What do you do? I'm in construction. If we wanted something, we just took it. And you didn't even think about it. To us, it was better than Citibank. Nice. It's great, but nice. Nobody does that to me. Who the hell do you think you are? Frankie Valley or some oh. kind of big shot? I was living in a fantasy. Look at my eyes. He's not Jewish. For most of the guys, killings got to be accepted. Murder was the only way that everybody stayed in line. What are we gonna do with him? We can't just dump him on the don't street. Worry, don't worry. I know a place I'll never find him. You got out of line, you got whacked. Everybody knew the rules. Hey, Henry, here's an arm. Very funny, guys. Here's a leg. Here's a wing. <laughs> what do you like, the leg or the wing, Henry? Okay, you ready? Sometimes for us to live any other way was nuts. Anything I wanted was a phone call away. <laughs> and we were treated like movie stars with muscle. We had it all just for the asking. It's gonna be a good summer. <laughs> it was a glorious time.
streets powered by violence. On the streets where the violent have power. A new generation carries on an old tradition. Betsy, I have a brief description of Goodfellas. Would you like to hear it? As long as you put me in the witness protection program after I do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Keep me uh, Goodfellas is the true story. Well, okay, let's say true-ish story of Henry Hill, a half Irish, half Sicilian Brooklyn kid who is adopted by neighborhood gangsters at an early age and climbs the ranks of a mafia family under the guidance of Jimmy Conway. Not bad. Pretty good. Betsy, what is your history with Goodfellas? I can't imagine how you edit this movie for TV. Mm -mm. (laughs) I cannot Mm. imagine. This this goes along. This is like in the Pulp Fiction range of how do you show this on network television? Right. Can't. Just whole chunks of the movie. And maybe it might help the movie. It's a little long. I'm just going to say I would have, I could have tightened this up the storytelling a little bit. I, so I have this feeling that I might've seen it on like HBO or something like at somebody's house. Cause I can't, I don't think I went, saw this in the theater or I saw it in college with people right. who are like, Oh my goodness. If you're a smart person, you'll <laughs> right. watch Scorsese movies, which is another category that we already talked about. With The Godfather. The movie definitely at the time left a psychic impression on me, which I revisited dramatically. <laughs> oh my gosh. Of this film. <clears throat> it is it is very anxiety producing, this film for me. Really flooding back those those memories of, of watching this movie. Because I will say it is not one I return to often. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah. I have very, I very, we'll get into this. I have very conflicted feelings about this movie. There are some parts that I really am drawn to. There's some Uh parts that repel me like the plague. And so we'll get into it. What about you? Kind of like you. I didn't really have a history with it when it first came out. Of the Scorsese, Pesci, De Niro movies, this is the one that I'm kind of least familiar with. So I would say that it actually, for me, my familiarity with their collaborations probably goes backwards. So I'm probably more familiar with The Irishman. I know a lot more about Casino mm-hmm. than Goodfellas yeah. and then Goodfellas. So it kind of goes backwards in my mind. And I so would when say I was, mine probably goes the reverse. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I've never seen The Irishman. Oh, oh. It's, it's really great. But You're all the here's film the nerds. Thing. Judge, judge, judge. Here's the thing. The movies increase in runtime. As you go along. So how there's that. <laughs> what a surprise. I mean, it, you know, like you said, it's it's just not something that you kind of come back to frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a rewatcher for me. But, you know, just kind of thinking about that, what are some general thoughts that you have? What is this anxiety producing? <laughs> okay, so of some of what I think it is, there's a heightened element in the storytelling you said like true ish right right there is a you kind of take the story of henry hill and you turn up the dial on it i believe right there's some really strong elements of camp in this movie we talked about in our last episode looking at godfather three coda cult whatever (laughs) um when we talked about that uh we talked about how the the kind of the tropes of Italian American life 
looking mm-hmm. at the the stereotypes of the mob, but in much more of a painting that would be hanging in a museum kind of way. Right. Goodfellows does all the tropes, all of the stereotypes, but it's like it's it's like exploded into like a kitsch dive bar. Like, you know, and it's just everywhere. Okay, so I hear you. So the Godfather Part 3 is like a Van Gogh. It's pretty. And Goodfellas is like a dog's playing poker. Yes, that, yes. (laughs) Yes. And so, and that is not to comment on the quality of the storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. I love the close-ups. I love the way, I love the narration. I love the zoom-ins, the zoom-outs. Yeah, I, I I appreciate all of that quick cuttingness, which is probably why there are some parts in the middle of this movie that feel very long because we mm-hmm. go for a while without some of that. But it is the yelling and the screaming, how quickly we are all yelling at each other. Yeah. It is the way they drive and never stop at a stop sign, screeching around the corners. I'm just waiting for a child to be in front of the vehicle. And that could all be totally intentional. And I, I probably, uh, probably on the part of Martin Scorsese to really just kind of amp this up and turn it up, not in a way to fake it. There is some sensationalizing of this life in organized crime, but then you mix that with incredibly small moments, like cutting the garlic with a razor blade. And so it leaves me kind of feeling, holy crap, I don't even know what could happen next. That's true. Betsy, but- chaos can happen at any moment. As a matter of fact, here's a perfect example. Betsy... You've unwittingly fallen into no, the, top, the five. top five already. Oh my god, so early. I know. I know. See, okay. I'm I'm trying to produce anxiety for you oh, on this podcast. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Greg, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? Okay, that was my Lorraine. Okay. I'm done now. You have unwittingly fallen into my top five by referencing the garlic, which is top five. Movie meals. Top five meals okay. in movie history. That is, all right, I'm going to make a comment. That is a very broad category. It is. I it thought is. you were going to say top was, five cooking scenes in prison. Oh, my gosh. That would really narrow it down. That would uh, be no. very narrow. There this one was extremely difficult. I had to okay. I had to really cast a wide net for this one. Okay, so here's the thing. That you're gonna like have like six honorable mentions, or were you good? I do have quite a few honorable mentions, no, but you they're cannot all, do that. They're all related to one series of films. All right, fine. All right. So what's the honorable mention? Honorable mention is any of the trip series of movies. So like the trip to Greece and the trip to Spain and the trip to Italy and what are they? What the movies? trip. Oh my gosh! You haven't seen this, Steve no. Coogan. Oh, Steve Coogan. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Okay. Um, and they just go. They just go to these wonderful countries and look at these beautiful sights and eat amazing food. And that's pretty much the entire series. Okay. Of movies. I'm I'm big on food porn. I watch that. Okay. <laughs> it's really nice. All right. So all right. So number five cooking. Number five. We should be really familiar with it because we saw it last year. Sal's famous. Sal's famous. Tell me those slices don't look delicious. Slices Sal's delicious. famous. Do the Do right, right thing. thing. Nice. Okay. All right. Number four. Number four, the big kahuna burger and the Sprite from Pulp Fiction. Which we see Samuel L. Jackson briefly in this movie. 
good connection piece there. Okay, great. All right, number three. I have the Goodfellas prison meal at number three. Okay. But it's also a tie between the Goodfellas prison meal and the Godfather Clemenza's cooking lesson from the first Godfather. Okay. All right. Where he teaches Michael how to make the sauce and cut up the tomatoes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So delicious. Yes. And so then number two? Number two, Hero Dreams of Sushi. Did you see this documentary? Yes. The tuna, specifically the tuna in Hero Dreams of Sushi. All right. So, okay. So now the number one cooking scene. The number one cooking scene, the number one movie meal, the thing that I have seen on Mm -hmm. screen and thought to myself, I have to eat that. The grilled cheese sandwich from Chef. Yes. Starring Jon Favreau. Yes. It's the most delicious looking thing that you've ever seen in your life. You want to know what's interesting? The the cutting of the garlic with a razor blade is mentioned in their Netflix series, Chef Show, the Chef oh. Show, John Favreau and Roy awesome. Choi together. So another recommendation there. Okay. So my hot takes about the movie. The first thing I wrote is that it is shocking that this movie came out a whole decade before The Sopranos. The entire cast of The Sopranos, you know, aside from lead characters, and even there are some like sub-leads, it's everybody. Every if time you had told me, yeah, if you had told me this movie came out three years before The Sopranos, I would totally believe that. Yeah. But the fact that it was a decade before The Sopranos hit HBO just blows me away. But it is interesting to see so many right. of that cast looking just one decade. Frank longer. Vincent, Michael Imperioli. Yeah, I mean it's 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 basically everybody except James Gandolfini. Yes, it also has the embracing you. of the um, the protagonist that you kind of like, who's also really conflicted and mm. not up to good stuff. I mean, there is some pullback on, you know, maybe seeing all of the terrible stuff that Henry Hill actually did. And a lot of that terrible stuff gets put on De Niro and Pesci too. But I think when we think about 10 years after this, the Sopranos becoming a hit with a guy who puts out hits on people, then he is the anti-hero. I think right. that, that element too, whereas we've been watching movies with shining hero examples and inspirational true stories. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those, you know, this book was, I think it was a pretty popular book when it came out. Um, based on Henry Hill's memoir. Mm -hmm. Um, Wise guys. Yeah. Wise guys. So that idea, focusing on that idea of true ish, because there is, there is this sense that at least I had anyway, watching this movie that Henry Hill is certainly an unreliable narrator. And the fact that he is a literal narrator of the movie makes you, I don't know. I, I just kind of watched it suspiciously. I think you got to talk about the soundtrack when you talk about this movie. If you listen to the song, it reveals the intention of the scene in which the song is playing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's incredibly clever. And for a, what is it? Two and a half hours or two and uh, 45 it's a minutes? over two, maybe like 2.15. Okay. So, so for a movie as long as it is, and that has as many songs in it as it does... It just makes me think that Scorsese took a lot of time figuring out what song he wanted to put with each scene. 
best scene from the movie? Do you have your best scene? Why don't you go first? You go first. Uh, mine is hands down the Billy Bats, Frank Vincent scene. And give those Irish hoodlums a drink down there. There's only one Irishman here. It's a celebration, fellas. Salud. How about the morning to you? Good to be home. Welcome back. My friend Jimmy. Oh. Henry, it's his joint. It's his Lisa. Hey, Frankie, how are you? Tommy, all dressed up. All grown up and doing the town. Look at this. Tommy. I forgot you was having a party with his mom. Oh, oh, come here. Oh, this kid, this kid, this kid was great. They, they used to call him Spit Shine Tommy. He was terrific. He was the best. He made a lot of money, too. Salute, Tommy. One more shines, Billy. What? I said no more shines. Maybe you didn't hear about it. You've been away a long time. They didn't go up there and tell you. Uh, I don't shine shoes anymore. I'm only kidding with you. Sometimes I mean, you don't sound like you're kidding. You know, there's a lot of people around. I mean, I'm only kidding with you. I'm sorry. I don't mean I'm to right. offend you. I'm sorry, too. It's okay. No problem. Okay, salute. Now go home and get your f***ing shine box. It's just the way, the way he keeps egging on Pesci and just like building, you know, building him up and building him up and building him up. And he's just playing him, you know, he's just. Well, and see, I could, really, I really could never pick that scene. Like, cause my stomach was like a nuts. I'm like, oh yeah, he's going to explode on this guy. And he, but he thinks he's, uh, but he's untouchable. Like, I mean. I mean, if you're Billy Bats, you know that, like, there's no comeuppance. Like, you can say whatever you want to, because what's he going to do? Kill a made guy? Like, he's not going to do that. Nobody's that stupid. Well, except, apparently. Tommy. <laughs> Tommy. Uh, I did enjoy how they were working to kind of age forward and back. De Niro and Pesci. Mm-hmm. I, I I enjoyed that look. Because, you know, we didn't have any. I'm sure in another lifetime, we would have CGI'd. The first time we met Robert De Niro as supposedly 29 years old at the card game. And I'm kind of going, oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. I think the other aspect of this movie that I am interested in, even though Lorraine Bracco's screaming haunts my dreams, is uh, is the female viewpoint happening yeah. here? That Karen Hill is also a narrator here. Uh, mm-hmm. They they were married up until I think 1989. He was kind of recaptured for narcotics in 87. They divorced in 89. She has written her own memoir and appeared on shows as well. I think you know they they have definitely have some things that draw them together as a couple. But at that wedding. When she is is kind of us being brought in, you know, we've been we've been with Henry for a bit, right? We want and just the everybody's money. named Peter or Paul, Peter or Paul, and they're all married to people named Maria, and the money and the dancing, and she's just like, it's like watching somebody have two families. Right. It was like he had two families. The first time I was introduced to all of them at once, it was crazy. Paulie and his brothers had lots of sons and nephews. And almost all of them were named Peter or Paul. This is my brother's second cousin. It was unbelievable. I want you to meet Paulie Jr., my nephew. And this is Petey. There must have been two dozen Peters and Pauls at the wedding. This is Marie. Plus, they were all married to girls named Marie. Beautiful. She looks Italian. Yeah, she looks Italian. You're right. (laughs) And they named all their daughters Marie. This is Marie. And this is Pete. No, I mean Paulie. I get confused myself. By the time I finished meeting everybody, I thought I was drunk. 
told her you shouldn't have. Okay, a little something to help you get started, huh? And to what, and just the way that she then, that kind of scene kind of leads into the insularity of the community, which I think was something that I didn't appreciate the first time I watched this, you know, that you only hang out with these people and all your social functions are with everybody. And it's almost like being in a cult that everybody is, Mm -hmm. is, is in on it. So you start to look at the behavior and the work that everybody is going off to do as a, as she said, as a sacrifice and he's putting himself out there to feed our family. And, and you are able to kind of rationalize everything that's going on. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, we got some dresses in. Just walk on down there. And oh, my God. gets that sense that, oh, this is bad. Turn around. Such a great so. scene. It just it just lingers for so long. Like, yeah, that's what turned, I love. Yeah. yeah. And her the sound of her heels. Uh, best performance. Actually, your 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 comment about the the scene where she goes to get the dresses actually dovetails into my pick for best performance, which is De Niro. Ooh who is so sinister, like throughout the movie, he's, you know, Pesci is amazing, but very big. De Niro is just as sinister as Tommy, but very quiet. And that's the one that is more disturbing to me. There's just something about that hidden monster, you know, that just, it, I don't know, it just gives you the creeps to think about. And he just, he does it really well. Well, there were definitely some moments when suddenly I was looking at him and he made a face that looks just like Leonard in Awakenings <laughs> and it threw me off like just for a moment. And I'm like, well, oh, he's so, oh, he's so nice. And I'm like, oh, no, he's a terrible person who really just I mean, and he says it at the beginning of the film. He's obsessed with stealing. Right. He loves to steal and to get away with it. You contrast that with my favorite pick, which is going to be my boy, Ray Liotta, mm-hmm. uh, that that for for Ray, who also is addicted as well, you know, actually physically addicted to, to drugs, but really addicted to the lifestyle mm-hmm. and that scene where he's in like the house in the suburbs at the end. You, you know, that ain't going to last like the moment he winks at you out that door. You're like, uh-uh. I found his performance. It drew me in. Yeah. I liked him. Yeah. You know, it's it's so great that he starts, he being Scorsese, uh, it's so great that Scorsese starts Henry's story when he's a young man by focusing on his eyes. You know, it's it yes. starts with that real close shot on his eyes and he's just staring at the guys across the street. And the funny thing is that Ray Liotta plays... Henry kind of wide-eyed through this whole thing. Like he's, he never loses his lust for what it was that drove him as a little boy. Like that very first thing that we see, Mm -hmm. that's what drives his entire character through the, through the whole movie. Yeah. I just think there's so many great performances in this movie, but yeah. I I mean, I could say Martin Scorsese's parents. Scorsese's mom. Like that whole scene was an ad lib scene. So tell me, tell me, where have you been? I haven't seen you. I haven't even, you haven't even called or anything. Where have you been? Well, I've been working nights. And? Um, well, tonight we were out late. We took a ride on the, out to the country and we hit one of those deers. I tell you, where the blood came from. I told you, Jimmy told you before, I want to say. Anyway, you know, it reminds me, I need this knife. I'm going to take this. It's okay? Okay, yeah. I just need it for a little while. back, though, you know. Well, the poor thing, you know, we got. I hit him and his, uh, we hit the deer and his paw, what do you call it? 
The paw. The paw. Big hoof. The hoof got caught in the grill. Oh. I got I to hack it off. Ooh. Ma, it's a sin. You're going to leave it there, you know. So, anyway, I'll, I'll bring your knife back if they do that. Anyway. Delicious. Delicious. Thank you. Why don't you get yourself a nice girl? I get, get a your... nice one almost every night, ma. Yeah, but get yourself a girl so you could settle down. That's what I, I mean. settle down almost every night, but then in the morning I'm free. I love you. I want to be with you. I'll just settle down. <laughs> How's your friend, Henry, dear? Henry, what's the matter? You don't talk too much. What you talking about? You've been quiet for me. You don't eat much. You don't talk much. <laughs> I'm just listening. What's the matter? Something wrong with you? You remind yeah. me of when we were kids, compares used to visit one another, and there was this man. He would never talk. He would just sit there all night and not say a word. So they said to him, What's the matter, Compari? Don't you talk? Don't you say anything? He says, what am I going to say? That my wife two times me? So she says to him, shut up. You're always talking. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Ray Liotta doesn't talk in it, because he's like, I have no idea <laughs> what to say. And it's just He's the quiet one. He's a quiet one. It's just one. that De Niro knows his character so well. Pesci knows his character so well. They're already friends with like Scorsese's mom. And so you just set up a camera and you say, okay, do a scene. This creation of, I think this authenticity to it, that mm -hmm. there's just hubs of activity. There's people around tables and all of these people have known each other for years. Like a family. Family. Like we talked yeah, about like with the Godfather. I got some stats about stats, the movie. Stats, 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 stats. Yes. Goodfellas opened on September 19th, 1990. What? Weird date, right? That's a weird date. Huh. Domestic gross of $47 million. Wah, wah. What? Yeah, really? it was not a hit. Number 25 grossing movie of 1990. Hmm. Yeah, this came in under the Godfather Part 3 grosses. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I guess it just wasn't... I mean, Scorsese wasn't really a mob movie guy. And he had just come off of Last Temptation of Christ, which everybody was upset with him about. Oh, right. Everyone was mad. Yeah. It is the number 1,871st top grossing movie of all time. Number 1,800. <laughs> wow. Oh, Get ready, Betsy. Be, oh, it's going to be in some great company. Okay. It comes between a movie from 2005 called Boogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so because I, I am completely unfamiliar with Boogeyman, I assume you are too? I am also unfamiliar with Boogeyman. Okay, so let me give you a little bit about Boogeyman. Please. Boogeyman is a horror movie starring Emily Deschanel. Not Zoe, Emily okay, Deschanel. Okay, got it. The one from Bones. Yes. Okay, got it. Written by Eric Kripke. You probably know him as the creator of The Boys. That is oh, yes. on Amazon. I like that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So this was one of his first projects. Boogeyman. Okay, okay Boogeyman, Goodfellas. And then you also get Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> <laughs> Work, Mary, kill. Boogeyman's getting the axe. Sorry, yes. Boogeyman. I yes. bet there's a lot of killing in that movie. I, so. I love how we always agree on the kill. Like well, we, but here's we have the never thing. not agreed on the kill. I think the body count is higher in Goodfellas than is Boogeyman. That's uh, my argument yes, for sure, yes. right? Okay. Sure. I think I'm going to flirt with Goodfellas because I'm going to get some good dates uh -huh. and I might even get an apartment out of it. 
front seat at the Coke. My own cocaine mixing business. Right. Debbie Mazer, looking at you. And then I'm gonna marry the the kind, good fellowed dude. Where's my car? It's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. It's it catches a lot of flack, but it's. It's really but fun. But what's hang. interesting is is that probably even though you know you probably need to be high to watch that movie, <laughs> to really enjoy it. But you know, I'm not so well, sure. What about I, you? I was a huge dude. Where's my car fan back in the blockbuster video days? That was that was one that you would pull down off of the rack quite frequently. I think I actually I switched it. I had marrying dude where's my car for a long time but then i switched it back to flirting and marrying goodfellas oh man sorry (laughs) you're gonna be karen now yelling at stuff let's see what else can i tell you about goodfellas it has a 96 percent on roger ebert no finer film has ever been made about organized crime four out of four stars (laughs) okay janet maslin film and literary critic at the New York Times. She included Goodfellas as part of a write-up about mob movies in general from 1990. So she didn't have a review of Goodfellas. She had a review of like Goodfellas, The Godfather Part 3, Miller's Crossing, basically all the movies we're talking about. Yes. In that article, she said, the black humor and thrilling visual style of Goodfellas are both troubling and irresistible. Yeah, I mean, the editing's really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Betsy, what? here comes a new challenger. Dun, 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 dun. Pauline Kale, our what? good friend, Pauline Kale of The New Yorker, oh. came out of hiding in 1990 to write a review of this movie. What'd she say? She, she says, in her very Pauline Kale way, is it a great movie? I don't think so. But it's a triumphant piece of filmmaking. Journalism presented with the brio of drama. What's a brio? Is that a course in an Italian meal? I think it probably is. <laughs> it is. It's an it Italian. Is. Yeah. Yeah. How did it do at the Oscars? It oh. only won one Oscar. Pretty famous one. I know this. I know this. Yeah. This is Pesci, right? It is. Pesci yeah. for Best Supporting Actor. So did, so well, can I guess the others? Uh, yeah. So it was nominated for Four others besides okay. Best Picture. All right. So I'm going to guess, because it was adapted, right? It was. I'm going to guess screenplay. From, from Wise Guys, from the book yes. Wise Guys by Henry yes. Hill. Okay. Yes, it, it was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. And I do believe, and I couldn't find it on IMDb, maybe I'm wrong, that Henry Hill was in the movie. Probably. Well, the Philly connection, I think. De Niro? No, De Niro, as we remember from our Awakenings pod, mm. was nominated for Best Actor for Awakenings, Awakenings. But not for this movie. What about Ray Liotta? No, unfortunately. Wow. Ray Liotta, too new of a commodity on the scene. You know, oh. he only had like Field of Dreams and this, so didn't really well, have much to go on. That surprises me as a supporter of Ray Liotta. <laughs> uh, what about, so, oh, film editing. Yes, best okay. film editing. Okay. There are two big ones yeah. uh, that you're missing. For Martin Scorsese. Exactly. Martin Scorsese, best director. Okay. Finally, one more. Karen! Oh, Lorraine Bracco. Exactly. Best supporting actress. There we go. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. <laughs> I 
know I'd go from rags to riches. To me, being a gangster was better than being president of the United States. Love is all that ever Even before I first wandered into the cab stand for an after-school job, I knew I wanted to be a part of them. It was there that I knew that I belonged. And to me, it meant being somebody in a neighborhood that was full of nobodies. They weren't like anybody else. I mean, they did whatever they wanted. They double-parked in front of a hydrant and nobody ever gave them a ticket. In the summer, when they played cards all night, nobody ever called the cops. Must I forever be a beggar? So, let's talk about the legacy of this movie. And you actually touched on it earlier. What I wrote down was the anti-hero story. Score one from me. I know, right? Like you said, everything that we've watched up to this point all has a protagonist that you're at least supposed to identify with. Like, I'm trying to think of how we understood and how we talked about Mookie. Mookie was a flawed character, but at at no point did I think that we weren't supposed to be pulling from Mookie or like siding with Mookie. Right. This is the first time that we've really run into a protagonist, a narrator who's despicable. And we have to follow him through this movie. And it just makes me wonder, like, we've had no shortage of anti-hero stories coming out of this. So what is the appeal about watching bad people do bad things? And if you think about it, is Michael Corleone an anti-hero as well? Oh, good good point. Good point. But, But I think there's something so much more energetic and enticing that draws you in about the the way Goodfellows is. It's in the way that you look at books like this that are popular of like, here, let me drop the curtain on something and really give it to you at least what in a way that feels like it's really down and dirty and it is not prettied up. And it is, this is the way this is with, with the rise of indie film that, that we have these stories that are coming from the margins Mm-hmm. That are now going to start to come into the thing. So if you think we've, what do we get? We get Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. you know. After this, and well, like Reservoir that. Dogs is going to come out the right. year. Next and you're year, rooting you know. and you're loving these people, and they're cutting years off, and they're pouring gas on people, and they're, you know, trying to. They're shooting up some boys in an apartment, and that they become the people that we're rooting for. Mm-hmm. And and the lines that we quote back about, you know, Royale with cheese. And so it's like it's interesting to kind of think about this does kind of move us into this yeah this genre of marginal stories about areas of life that we find titillating and enticing and and we're curious about them having watched this movie it was impossible impossible for me not to think about the sopranos and the thing about tony soprano and the way james gandolfini plays that character is that he's incredibly seductive like he he sucks you in to his orbit and he does despicable things but you're just kind of like ah oh, that's tony oh yeah. my gosh he's what a guy you know and then he does something even worse and you're like well but i've been sticking with it i kind of been sticking with him this whole time you know and it, it, it's just there's there's something really seductive, I think, about the anti-hero story. I would say the same thing about Brian Cranston and Breaking Bad. You know, the way that that show plays out and the way that you 
just kind of keep going and keep going and keep going. It's the thing that I reference. I think on Popping Collars, we talked about evil, you know, like pop culture representations of evil. And I, I talked about Denzel Washington and Training Day and that idea of like, the way it's so seductive, right? It's just like, no, 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 it's not that bad. Trust me, just do this, just do that, you know? And I think that that's the appeal, right? Like that's the thing that kind of draws you in. That's the thing that makes you wide-eyed Ray Liotta watching all of this play out in front of you. The boomers who are creating this material, that they're often sold a veneer of this time. You know, mm-hmm. or their memories will will sometimes have that suburban glaze of the 1950s and post-war life and et cetera, et cetera. You could see a Martin Scorsese growing up where he grew up, living the life that he's lived, looking at Henry Hill's story and seeing similarity and seeing things that, that drew him in and characters that felt familiar and being able to say, you know what? There are a lot more stories going on in America at that time. Mm-hmm. I, I think about Born on the Fourth of July in a similar sense as a biopic type situation where we're looking at someone who came out of that promise of the 1950s and into something and into a country that then was unrecognizable to him. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, One last question about the anti-hero. Do you think that this is a a thing that's whose time has come and gone? Ozark. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few vestiges around I feel like it's not nearly as prevalent as it was like a decade ago. Like it was the shield. It was the Sopranos. It was breaking bad. It was like all of these things were around, especially in television. Do you remember when American Idol was popular because of Simon Cowell making fun of contestants? And then that gave way to like the voice, like rooting for people you know, and their chair turns sure. and stuff. But I, I would, I, I would take your comment about Cowell and move it forward into reality television in general. Your Real Housewives and all of that sort of situation that you have people there who, you know, one season it's like we can't stand her. She is the worst. What is wrong with her? And the next season they're like the the pastoral heart center of the show and the <laughs> cast and pulling everybody together and let's all go to my beach house. So it's like this push pull back forth. You're the bad person. No, you're the bad person. And and however real or fabricated all those narratives are, mm-hmm. that I think we then start to have some people who we love to hate. And if they weren't bad, what are you watching? Right. Yeah. Except I think that there's a way to make a movie or a show now with a flawed character, but not a despicable character. That's kind of what I liked about Zoe Kravitz's High Fidelity last year. She was very flawed, but she wasn't despicable. Anti-heroes. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Betsy, who is this movie for? Film nerds. Yeah, kind of. But not intense. I don't know. I feel like There's this is that. one of those movies that people say that they like, even if they haven't seen it. Is that yes. possible? I wrote down, who is this movie for? This movie is for Quentin Tarantino because it becomes a blueprint <laughs> for the rest of his career. There you go. What is your rating for this movie out of five? Ooh, let me get out my list. So I would give this 3.5. Oh. Because of my conflicting relationship with with my my love hate relationship with this movie, mm-hmm. it's going to keep me coming back for more. Push pull. I struggle with it. Just yeah. when I thought I was out. 
they pull me back in. What about you? Uh, 4.5 for me. 4.5? Whoa! Yeah, well, you said it's for film nerds, and this is inarguably a classic. Now, <laughs> I, I have to say, I had a thought earlier. Was Tom Cruise considered for this movie at all? We didn't ask that question. Ooh, doubtful. There's Because this would not have been in your parents' This was not in the this was not in the parents movie collection. No. No. 4.5 from me. This is okay. uh inarguably a classic. It okay. highlights Scorsese's gifts as a filmmaker, which is mm-hmm. that kind of push-pull that you talked yeah. about. There are countless movies over the last 30 years that owe their creation to this film. Sure. For that reason, I give it a 4.5. Sure. Why did the Academy nominate this movie? This doesn't really feel like a 1990 Academy movie, does it? No. Like, if it was called Driving Goodfellas, Driving Miss Goodfellas. (laughs) The other schmaltz on the table. I don't know. Was this was this a risky pick? I think that we've said it before. 1990 had some really good movies, but not movies that you would identify as Oscar movies. Like, you know, Home Alone is not an Oscar movie. It's fine. It's a good movie. Total Recall is not an Oscar movie, but it's a good movie. Okay, so that's it. Goodfellas. Wow. In the clink. So what's next? What are we looking at? Next, we will switch from the Sicilian mob to the Irish mob. Excellent. Oh, I love variety. (laughs) Our next one is the Coen Brothers masterpiece. Am I giving it away? Miller's Crossing Crossing. is our next. next Betsy, thank you for sitting up front in the Copa with me, laughing at Henny Youngman. You got the table. I carried it right over. I'll sit here all night. Thanks for strolling through the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) There was one moment that Ray Liotta like totally hip checks a dishwasher. And I'm like, oh, God, but they don't stop. Professionals. Nope. Keep going. Keep, keep going. going. One shot. Sorry. We get one take here. Well, you're welcome, Greg. Anytime. Nice. We will see you next time. See ya. See ya.